So our clock here right now at CKNW is telling me that it is 8.36 and 42, 43, 44 seconds. It's pretty accurate. I'm sure we're off by a couple of seconds though, but we're pretty accurate here. And I know that for some people, keeping absolute accurate time is very important. And here's why I'm telling you this. Our next guest is kind of a superstar in the world of keeping time. And yes, there is such a thing. I am one of those people who likes to keep my watch running ahead by a few minutes to make sure I'm always on time instead of late, right? To keep myself on track. But there are people who have to have their watch, their time, their clock set to the absolute correct time. And you know what? You can thank our next guest for that, as a matter of fact. Dr. Demetrius Matsakis is with us, the chief consultant for the clockmaking company Master Clock and former chief scientist for the United States Naval Observatory's Time Services. Dr. Matsakis, thank you so much for being with us. Glad to be here. You've never been late for anything, have you? I wouldn't say that. (laughs) How how do you set your clock? How do you do it? It's very easy when you have a smartphone. I I don't carry a watch. People think it's a big deal. But when you have a smartphone, the time's there. You can't get away from it. So why don't you care? Why do so you I wear a watch? Way. I don't. Uh, because, well, I never did. I like to experience time better. And if you're spending all the time measuring it, you might miss something. Uh, it's important to measure it. It's a whole, my whole lifetime career is based on measuring it. But for the human the humanity, it's very interesting to see the difference uh, when you when you do know the time and when you don't. Okay, how did you get into measuring time for a living? It was a, a, a giant coincidence. I was a radio astronomer doing conventional, not conventional, radio astronomy, observing the heavens. And one day, the director of the department at the Naval Observatory came to see me, and he said they had a new kind of clock that was based on optical pumping, which is sort of like laser, the laser principle. And there were no physicists who knew how to work with it. Would I like to start the project? And I said, absolutely, I'd love to do that. So I started doing that. And then a few years later, everybody retired, and I became the director of the, of the time service department of the Naval Observatory. So, Dr. Matsakis, how do we set the time? The time is now based on a transition of a cesium atom. Basically, you have a cesium atom that can flip between states and give off radiation. That radiation oscillates up and down. We count them, and every 9,192,631,770 of them are one second. So that's the definition of a second, that many oscillations of the radiation of a cesium atom. So we have atomic clocks can have cesiums, or they can have other elements that are related to cesium, and we measure their oscillations. Then all you have to do is know the start time, so you can go from that, and you get that by comparing that to other clocks whose start time we know. You just made it sound so easy, but it's also very complicated. So then what is a leap second? It was discovered... Early on, in the 1920s, actually, when uh, clocks, before there were atomic clocks, that the Earth does not rotate perfectly smoothly. It can speed up and slow down. And historically, I mean, 
prehistorically, like in the dinosaur days, the Earth was rotating a lot faster, like 18 to 20 hours faster, depending on when you're talking about in the dinosaur days. So the Earth has been slowing down, and and uh, with atomic clocks, you, uh, you can see day-to-day variations in the rotation of the Earth. And that's all fine. We can sort of average out those day-to-day things. But what do you do if your atomic time tells you uh, that the sun is supposed to rise at a certain time and it's actually rising uh, later and later because the Earth is slowing down? And so there was a conference in 1970, actually several conferences leading up to that, where they decided that we'd go by the atomic clocks and when the discrepancy with the time that's kept by sunrise and sunsets was more than one second or nine-tenths of a second, we would add a second to the atomic time to keep all the time scales in line. And so how often do we do this? Well, the Earth is notoriously unpredictable on this scale. So the last time we did it was in January of 2017. But in the beginning, when this first started in the 70s, it was once a year we were doing it. But then the Earth, although it was slowing down, started slowing down less and less. So we added it less frequently and less frequency. And for a while, two years ago, the Earth started speeding up again. And we were wondering how we would handle that. We would probably do a negative leap second. Instead of adding a second, we would just ignore a second and skip over it. But now the Earth has started slowing down again. So that's not a a negative leap second won't happen. So this is like an ongoing issue. We can't just say, oh, that's the time and leave it at that. No, we cannot. And in fact, uh, it's more than it's an unpredictable issue. So while it's okay for humans to leave a second, to lose a second, or add one, computers don't like that one bit. And for the the last several leap second insertions in our computerized world, there have been lots of problems. Things systems have stopped working. And a famous one was people were grounded in Australia that were on Qantas Airlines because their computer went on the blink. All because they're trying to add a second. Reservations. Yeah, and the computer didn't know about it. And the, the thing is, it happens so rarely, people don't know. People can't predict it. Most computer programmers don't know anything about leap seconds. And even if they did, sometimes there are things you can't do for certain applications because if you're adding a second, it just doesn't fit into the system quite right. You go from 59 seconds 60 seconds, 61, how to add that in. You can have two two different times that have the same second count sometimes in the system. And that's why a movement started to stop doing all that. We're asking, why are we doing this? Why don't we let the two time scales diverge? We can just live by atomic time and let the sun do its thing. So in, in a century, we will be off by less than a minute between the two scales before we get off, and maybe, and one of the ideas was, let's wait a thousand years when we're off by an hour, and then, then, then we can uh, skip a transition between daylight time and uh, standard time for those countries that follow daylight time, and everything's back in sync. 
That so is the real that is the real afoot. definition of kicking the can down the road, Dr. Matsakis. Well, that's what people say, and what I say is, yeah, it, it's for those people that are uh, emotional about it. I say that when the time comes, a thousand years from now, people are going to say, "Why do we got to do this? Let's just skip it and stay with atomic time." It won't. By then, society will adjust. It's such a slow change that uh, it won't really have affected anything. There'd be no reason to go back. But also, but that maybe, would be for the future generations. Right. But by then, also, is there a different way, perhaps, of telling time? Because over the last thousand years, how we measure time has gotten more and more accurate and different. That's right. It's gotten more precise, faster than Moore's law predicts for computers getting better. Time has gotten the accuracy of time has gotten even more better. Yeah, there'll be different ways, but the Earth won't, it will still be doing its thing, and the atomic time will just be telling time better and better. So the clocks at, uh, at the Naval Observatory that I, I was so proud of building, or supervising the building of, would lose one second every 300,000 years, in, in plus or minus. Now... The ones that are coming online and will be operational pretty soon will lose, will lose plus or minus one second over the whole age of the universe. Wow. So, yes, time will be getting told much more precisely and accurately. This is fascinating. Society, society, and just to realize also that a thousand years from now, society will be so different uh, just compared to how it was a thousand years ago to how it is now. And the pace of acceleration is going further unless a big catastrophe happens, which many might predict, but following just the trend. So we don't have to worry about one second the deep future. Right. But Dr. there are. But Dr. Matsakis, you know, we're, we're all out of time here. But listen, thank you so much for describing that to us. It was absolutely fascinating. You're welcome. Appreciate that. Dr. Demetrios Matsakis. <laughs> so interesting, right? Chief consultant for the clockmaking company Master Clock and the former chief scientist for the United States Naval Observatory's Time Services, teaching us about something called a leap second. I know this year is a leap year, but a leap second, maybe we don't really need it. But you talk about being precise with your time. Whoa.